Take it deep. Take it deep. Yeah, just thank you for breakthroughs that are happening in the room right now. Thank you for just the freedom to be real. The freedom to say, hey, I'm a mess right now. I I need breakthrough, Father. Thank you that we don't have to perform. We don't have to have all our stuff together for you to wrap your arms around us. And in fact, you're so close to the heart of the broken. It's almost worth being broken (laughs) because of your closeness to that. You promise a bruised wreath you will not break, a smoldering wick you will not snuff out. Yeah, thank you that your heart is so close to every broken heart. Every difficult situation, every, every mountain that needs breakthrough to come smashing in. Thank you for it in advance. Yeah. I just take authority over hopelessness right now. You just say, no way. <laughs> not a chance. Hopelessness, you will not get a hold of the hearts of the people of God because we are defined as people of hope. Our God is the God of the impossible. So we just bind every spirit of hopelessness and despair and we expose you for the lie and the sham that you are. (laughs) No more of that voice. No more of the voice of shame that kind of backs up along behind it and says, ah, look. Look at the way you're thinking. Nah, no way. Not on our watch. We just release life. We release hope. And even in the midst of difficulty, we just say peace and joy. Peace and joy. Let it rest upon us. Peace and joy. Because that's your kingdom. Thank you for what you're doing, Holy Spirit. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Yeah. So perfect in what I want to unpack, and let me just kind of flow on somehow. I felt coming into today that there's two things that war against the promises over our life and the destiny that he has. And this is true kind of globally in terms of over our whole destiny sort of thing, but it's also true over specific situations where we feel stuck and we need breakthrough. That there's two things that war, and one is our past and the other is our future. Our past, when we have unprocessed disappointment, an unprocessed pain from situations in the past. It creates a landing place for the enemy to go, yeah, remember that? Remember that? And what that then breeds is fear about the future. And so you end up with your past throwing accusation at you and your future screaming it from the future back at you. And the answer, and all that is, is I love that counterfeit word, Wendy, wherever you went. Oh, you're right in front of me, of course. I always should look right in front of me first. <laughs> I had a boy look. Um, is 
What the enemy is taking is, is what he knows is the power of the prophetic of the future and the power of the testimony from the past, and he's yeah. twisting it. See, because the two things that are going to fuel your breakthrough and your destiny are your past and your future. The past in that where there are testimonies where God has worked in the past in your life, but it doesn't even have to be in your life. Maybe you've never seen the thing you're looking for in your own life, but someone else has. That testimony, because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, that testimony says that thing can happen again. And if you'll feed yourself on the testimony rather than the disappointment, it starts to put hope into your future so that you look at your future through the lens of the prophetic, not through the lens of the disappointment of the past. We're making sense? This is really key because we've been unpacking a whole lot about prophetic stuff for this year. And if you haven't heard the last three weeks, Deb started it three weeks ago and then I backed it up the last couple of weeks. If you haven't heard any of those three yet, can I really encourage you um, grab those on the podcast, get them in front of you. Um, because the beauty of being part of the body is that you get to get in on what God's doing in the body. That, that's good, right? <laughs> that, 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 that's actually a really, really good thing. Um, and there's some stuff that he is doing that is really exciting and deeply confronting all at the same time. Um, and, you know, it kind of sounds exciting when you say it until you walk into it and you realise how darn confronting it is. <laughs> because there's reasons we've been hiding, right? <laughs> there's really good reason why we've been hiding stuff. Okay, we didn't just do that for fun. <laughs> well, yeah, our, our hiding stuff is pure, raw-hearted survival. That's why we do that stuff. There's actually a really good reason for it. So coming out of that is coming out of every layer of self-protection that we have built up that's worked really well for us to a point. And, you know, it, it's the... Um, was it C.S. Lewis that had that, the, the picture of the caterpillar kind of getting mm, cut really, really deep? And cut? No, it was a snake. I don't know if it, or it might have been Gene Edwards. And if you don't know who I'm talking about as an author, don't worry. I just having this. <laughs> Megan's question was, is it going to be gross? Depends how visual and how much you embellish it. Basically, it was a snake that had this dry old skin over, um, over it. And it, was, it wanted to break out. And this, um, I can't remember what the creature was, but it had a big claw, but it was a metaphor for, for the father came down with his claw and started cutting into the dry skin. And at first it was like, oh, that's really good. Oh, that's starting to feel really freeing. And then it started going deep, really, really, really deep to the point of like going, oh, my goodness, I don't know if I can take this. I don't know if I can handle this. And eventually, cutting a long story short, this, this snake, which in this thing was a good thing. It's distinct from where snakes usually are, rightfully so. They're bad. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it comes out with this, this um, you know, what we would say in human terms is this really pink, really, really sensitive skin, but it's starting to step out into who it's really meant to be, and this crusty old dry protective skin is coming off, but the creator had to cut really, really deep to get through those protective layers to bring the real out. You're still struggling with the snake bit, I know. Um, but, but I feel like there's a sense of, you know, there's this excitement about, you know, we're stepping into the fullness of who we are. We're co-laboring with the Father in a new way. We're coming into the joy of surrender, all of those sorts of things. And it all sounds awesome until you try and do it. And then you're confronted with every piece of fear, every past disappointment, all of those things just go 
right in front of you and what you do at that moment is so critical. So critical that we feed ourselves on the right stuff. A um, friend of mine from way back is a racing car driver and one of the things that he talked about, and I remember we, he and I were praying for someone down the front um, of church one day and he gave this word and it's really stuck with me. He said, when I'm driving, because they're obviously doing pretty decent speed, um, in this race car, and when there's a wreck in front of you or, there, or there's only a tight gap that you want to get through, everyone's tempted, especially early on in their racing career, to look at all the obstacles and to try and navigate around them. But he said, if you look at the obstacle, you'll hit it 100% of the time. He said, you've got to look at the gap. You've got to just narrow your focus in on the gap and head straight for that and not even look at where it would be the tree, the cars around you, look straight at the gap. To me, the prophetic words over our life are like looking at the gap. We're not looking at the obstacles, we're looking straight down the barrel of the gap and going, whew, that's, that's where I'm heading. See, the, the reason we put the prophetic stuff out there, the reason that we prophesy over each other, the reason we have prophetic rooms, the reason when someone comes for the first time we want to speak prophetically is that those prophetic words are the fuel for your future. They're the fuel for your now as well. But I, there's something about the kingdom that is very future present. Like we actually live from the future to the present, not from the past or even the present in the present. That's a whole other conversation. Um, and... Quite often when I've done ministry with people, one of the things I say is, if I don't know them that well, I want you to bring your prophetic words into this meeting because I want to pastor you according to your promises, not according to your past. I want to pastor you into what God says about you and your future, not just help you deal with your past. So that they are the fuel, they're the food um, for the future. I know that was deeply offensive, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Is that making sense? The the prophetic isn't just something fun that we like to... I mean, there's so much about the prophetic I love. You know, when the prophetic is really flying, people feel known. And to me, that if nothing else, regardless of how accurate something is and how spectacular it might be when someone calls a word of knowledge about some crazy thing that they could never have known, that's like, wow, that is impressive. And it is. The biggest thing that the Father wants you is when that happens to you, you feel known. And and that... Because that's the heart of the Father. He's a father. He's not a CEO. (laughs) You know, he's not an organisational genius, though he is probably that. Um, he, primarily, he's a father, and he wants you to know that he knows you, and he loves you, and he cares. And the prophetic words are to give you fuel for your future. Um, I, I have four scriptures, which is immediately going to throw anxiety into the hearts of many. Um, but I seriously just want to read them. And um, no, oh, that's a little bit of an in joke between us. Um, I have the, uh, the anointing of, um, let's call it overflow and sprinkling, particularly around Jono for some reason. I don't know why. Um, and uh, so I just wanted to set up just here and test his uh, resilience against anxiety or something. <laughs> I, I want to quickly look at uh, just four scriptures just to build a, the foundation of the prophet. They're like four key pillar verses around the prophetic over your world. Um, and then land us into um, a place of ministry around that. I'm sure there was something deeply profound. (laughs) Got it. There it is. I knew there was one other little linky bit. Um, We've said this over the last couple of weeks, I think, but 
when prophetic words comes out, whether you get an individual prophetic word, whether God speaks something to you directly, whether something jumps out of you out of the scriptures, or whether it's a corporate word, the sort of thing that we've been doing over the last three weeks, the whole idea of that is not to leave that as, wow, that's a good word. You know, and to, and to encourage us and then we go off into normal life. It's actually, again, it's meant to be food for your now and for your future. And a lot of the, the problems that we feel stuck in, we already have prophetic promises into that that we've forgotten to bring in and to feed off. Uh, a beautiful example of this, um, many of you um, may well listen to Bethel's podcast, but Bill Johnson, the first message of the year, he talked about um, last year when he was really, really sick. He had a... Um, a an abdominal, I think it was a bowel condition, uh, stomach condition, and he pretty much couldn't eat at all. And it, it was really, really concerning because when you can't eat and you can't get nutrition um, and that happens for too long, then where that leads is not necessarily great. And he talked, he just said, let me tell you how I walked through that period. I just got out my prophetic words about my future that hadn't been fulfilled yet. And everything, yeah. He couldn't do much else because he was in a hospital bed for a lot of it. Is I just kept reading them. I just kept reading them over and over. And I just kept feeding my soul and my spirit on what God says about my future. Because many people would love to, so to speak, prophesy. You know, medically, not that there's anything wrong with the medical profession, but their, their job is to tell you cold, hard facts and every possible thing that could go wrong. A lot of people could prophesy that. And if you attach your faith to that... That's not a good day. So yes, we hear that information because it gives us a good target to pray at. But what we feed ourselves on is what God has said. Because man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's how we live. And quite literally at times, stay alive. Is by the prophetic words that God has said, this is you, this is what I'm giving to you, this is what will happen in your world. And when they're not fulfilled, that's where we feed ourselves. So taking what we have given here is not just meant to be a good encouragement for a couple of weeks. They are meant to be things that we take, that we stew over, so that it's, as we've been talking, it's not just a sugar hit. It's like, woo, that's good. Give me a bit of energy for a week or two. Now, this is actually meant to be foundational stuff that we take and we steward and we co-labor with the Father um, to see that thing brought about in our world. 2 Peter chapter 1. If any of you have been around me a long time, you would have heard me read this, vo- this <laughs> verses many times because it's just one of these foundation, word, foundation truths. Uh, verse 3, 2 Peter 1, 3. His divine power has given us everything we need through a godly life, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, that is the promises, you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So he says, through his own glory and goodness, he has given us great and precious promises. Promises. This is what we're talking about again. These are our prophetic words. These are the, where scripture has jumped alive to us and you've kind of gone, that is my verse and I know it. Through these, we participate in the divine nature. Yet too much of the church keeps talking about our fallen nature. And I just want to throw out a massive heresy there and just say that, you know, our fallen nature was crucified. It's dead. <laughs> what? That's not a heresy. Well, that's exciting. Wow, okay, good. Let's go for it, really, then. <laughs> your, your, your fallen nature 
got crucified and buried and you rose with a new nature. So your primary nature as a believer is actually divine, not fallen. But too much of church has discipled us into having more faith for our fallen nature. And that's what we experience because that's what we've had faith for. What would it look like to attach our faith to our divine nature and learn how to steward it? And that's essentially what this is about. Stewarding, and stewarding our divine nature is about stewarding the promises because Luke 1.37, when it's talking about when the Father spoke to Mary that you will conceive Jesus, and it's, it says in Luke 1.37, nothing is impossible with God. That's how we typically read it in English. If you go back to the Greek, it literally says, no word spoken by God is without power. That's the, the literal meaning of Luke 1.37 is no word spoken by God is without power. Which means the word itself, it's like a seed that contains within itself everything that is needed to fulfill itself. Yeah? So every word spoken by God has supernatural divine power on it. The question is, are we going to let that power loose in our world? And if we are, how do we do that? So a bit more on how in a moment. But the, the, the first foundation is... It's by our promises that we participate in the divine nature or that we participate in the kingdom life. Rather, remember last week we talked about living a normal life with a Christian worldview versus living a kingdom life. This divine nature thing, that's the kingdom life. We are more like aliens with special powers than we are sinning scumbags who happen to be saved by grace, by way of identity. You can have that for free, you're welcome. 1 Timothy 1.18, second verse. And the fact that I resisted the temptation to dive into so many parts of that last one is a miracle in itself. Let's see if I can do it again. Keep praying. Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Or if you're used to other versions, it says, so that through them or by them, by the prophecies, you may wage a good warfare. Your prophetic words... Uh, your ammunition against the devil. When he starts throwing shame at you, when he starts throwing all sorts of stuff at you, your answer is, well, this is what God says about my future. Because when we've fed ourselves on what God has said, it's naturally what comes out of our mouth, which goes naturally to the next verse, and that was even quicker, Joshua chapter 1. So that was 1 Timothy 1.18. So the key thing there is, Our prophetic words are not just nice things to encourage us. They're actually the fuel that give us victory in warfare. They're the the things that help us take ground in in the kingdom. Joshua chapter 1. So this is God talking to Joshua. This is right after Moses is dead. Joshua has been installed as leader. I'll start at verse 7. He says, be strong and be very courageous. Whenever God says that to you, you can know that what you're about to face is utterly terrifying. So you're going to need to be very strong and courageous because if I told you what was about to happen, you would absolutely freak out. So I won't tell you that. I'll just tell you to be strong and courageous. I may have empowered fear a little more there. I didn't mean to do that, but just learned that from... Anyway, um, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. This is the bit, verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips... Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
So he says, don't let the book of the law. Now, in, in context, the book of the law was the record of what God had said. So it's really easy to just narrow that down to the scripture. Now, it absolutely is the scripture. Get it into you. The more that you get it into you, the more it will naturally flow out of you. This is good stuff. And it's all for you. It's all good. So, but it's not just that. It is your prophetic words. It's your prophetic promises. It's the things that God has spoken to you directly. The things that God has spoken to you clearly. It's the things that God is speaking to us as the body of Christ. Us as I-61, all of that. We get to get in on all of it. But he says, don't let that depart from your lips. I find that fascinating because it would make more sense to me to say, don't let it depart from your eyes. In other words, just keep reading them, keep reading them. But he actually says, don't let them depart from your lips. And then he says, meditate on them. Now that word meditate, the, the concept is literally to chew over something like a cow chews its cud. Now, I find cows particularly humorous on so many levels. This is a part that is just a tad more gross. Sorry. Again, I know. But yeah, a cow chewing, it's kind of basically it kind of digests its food and then it brings it back up and it kind of has another go. Now, that, that's basically the concept of, of meditating is that, is to bring it back up again, chew it over some more, take it down, bring it back up. Chew it over some more, take it down. That's, that's meditating. If any of you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. You've just got to learn to use it for good instead of not so good. But as we meditate on it, in other words, just like we talked about, Bill Johnson's example I thought was so perfect. As we do that, as we meditate, then naturally what comes out of our lips is faith and is aligned to what God has been saying because that's what we've been feeding on. You can't bring something out of you that is different to that which you have fed on. I'm really trying to avoid some serious illustrations right there. But I think in just saying that enough, you'll know what I'm saying. You can't bring something out of you that you haven't put into you. Okay? And we often wonder, you know, when tough times come, we think, why am I not more in faith? Well, what have you been putting into you when times are not tough? Because that's what's going to determine what comes out of you when you get squeezed and stuff starts to come out. Do not let it depart from you. Take the prophetic stuff. If, you, if the stuff that we have said over this year excites you, then the most important thing that you can do, get out your journal, listen to it over and over, whatever you have to do to keep that in your field of vision, keep that in your focus. Keep mulling that over. Keep talking to the Father about it. What does that look like? What's the next step? What does that mean? What could that look? If my future completely embraced that word, what would that look like? Because it's hard to move towards something that you can't see. And as you do that, you start to build a picture of what that looks like. And that becomes the thing that occupies your, your soul and your mind. Are we making sense? Hebrews chapter 4, this is the last of the four verses. And I want to read this out of the Passion Translation because I just I love the way Brian Simmons has translated this. It makes it so clear. Hebrews chapter 4, this is talking about the children of Israel. And I said, now God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. Which, that same promise that he gave to Israel, he's given to us. 
And now grabbing here what it says about the prophetic. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. It's a great statement here because we often go, well, if the words didn't come true, well, the word mustn't have been true. Didn't happen. God didn't show up like he said he would. But if, if that thinking type enters into our head, we, we've actually missed the concept of how the kingdom works around prophetic and promises. Because he then says, For we heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they did not join their faith with the word and activate its power. So like I said, no word spoken by God is without power. So the moment that, that promise is released over you, it has power. Just likewise, there are a number of holes around this room that have power. But in order to gain the benefit of the power, one must plug into it and activate it. One must switch it on. Faith is the thing that does that. We take the word, we recognize the power of it, and then we activate our own faith over that word, and that is what brings us into the fulfillment of it. Are we making sense? Deb talked in the first week about co-laboring. This is, this is the initial part of co-laboring. We often blame God when he's looking for us to cooperate with him. See, he's not just this master guy with the, all the dials up there going, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make this happen, I'm going to... He, the, the process of co-laboring with him actually grows us up into the fullness of who we're meant to be. So not only do we inherit the promise, but the process that happens in inheriting that promise makes us into the kind of person that can carry the weight of the glory of that promise. If we don't go through the process of that, and quite often, if it doesn't cost us something, we don't value it enough and we just let it go too easily. But that which has cost us, we'll fight for. <laughs> We're making sense. Now, if, if you want to live just a really normal life, this message is so irrelevant to you. <laughs> I should have said that at the beginning. <laughs> you could have saved yourself 15 minutes. But th this, is, this is not for those who just want to live a normal life with a Christian worldview and be a nice person. And that's better than being a nasty person with a, a satanic worldview. It's a step up. But we're actually all called to so much more than that. And there's so much more fun to be had than that. If we really genuinely want this year to turn out like the words are saying, it requires something of us. And it begins with letting the word do its work in us before it will ever do its work through us. So what I want to do right now is give you just a few minutes. Kel's going to put some groovy stuff on for us for a few minutes. And what I want you to do is I want you to just take a moment. If any of you need paper, I have it. I have a couple of crayons there, which are pretty lame, but it's something. Um, if you need to write, most of us have some kind of device as well. Some of you may just want to do this. It's, it's not about the writing or anything. It's just what I want you to do is just sit with your heart and your spirit in stillness for a moment. And just you're kind of asking yourself here, but the Father's, of course, involved. What of the words that we have shared are really resonating with my heart and my spirit? What, what, what's really resonating with me? What, what are the things that have really captured my heart that, are, that my spirit has witnessed to and gone, yes, yes, that's for me? 
That, 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 that's a word for me. It's a word for the body, but that it's a word for me. Now, along with that, there may be some words that you have over your life that are really in front of you right now. And, and I want you to include that, but I just want you to take a moment to get, to, to allow the prophetic words to come to your conscious mind and to be really clear about that. For some of you, it'd be really good if you did jot them down, if your memory's like a sieve, so that you can go away and, and do what we're talking about with it. But just take a moment now. And if you need paper, it is right here. There is plenty of it. I have some crayons there if you need it. But again, it's not about the paper and, the, and all of that. It's actually about getting the words to conscious memory. I'm going to give you about four minutes. And no, you may not capture everything now, but this is just a little taste of what I would really love you to do at home. Just as people are doing that, Jesus, I just want to ask that you would, you would bring the words to our consciousness right now. There may even be words over your life that you've forgotten about. You may have even forgotten about for years and the Father wants to bring them back to your conscious memory and remind you, hey, I promised you that. may have prophets like recordings audio recordings of prophetic words that you've been given in the past I feel like go to your cupboard get them out listen to them again I feel like there's some nuggets in there for some of you that are really really important there's promises for your current season from prophetic words of the past but you've forgotten them which we all do which is why we record them but I just feel a prompt to say go back to some of the things that you've recorded and I think there's going to be some audio recordings possibly even some old tapes going back that far where there's some promises there that he wants to bring back to you. may not have got to the end of the list yet and that's okay I want you to I want to encourage you to pick this up as you go home during the week I feel like this is really really important as we lay a foundation for this year this is a great process to use if there's an area in your life where you're stuck give an example a couple of years ago Deb and I were really pushing in for some breakthrough in our financial realm and so one of the things we did was we went through every prophecy we had about finance everyone that we could remember everyone we could find we got them up there and we put them on a big A3 sheet of paper in our walk-in pantry so that whenever we were looking for food which for me is a lot I'd be presented with the prophetic words uh, and we could and, and that would be the thing that would be in our in our face and therefore that would be the things that would stir our confession yeah, I had that season where I, I completely lost the ability to be anxious about finance, which was really lucky because there was so much to be anxious about. But I just couldn't find the anxiety, which I'm deeply thankful for. Because the words, and how do you know you're in faith? You know you're in faith when the promises are more real to you than your reality. 
We spend way too much time meditating on our reality and way too little time meditating on our, on our, on our promises. So if you're stuck, find your prophetic words about that particular situation and bring them in. Go find testimonies of other people that have had breakthrough in that area. Bring them in as well. And that way you've got testimonies from the past, prophecies about the future that help you warfare, wage a good warfare in the now. Now, for some, you may be going, you know what, I, just nothing's resonating with me. I just, I don't know, I just, I just can't seem to connect to anything, I can't seem to attach to anything, I can't seem to remember anything. If that's you, A, and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, there's a good chance that's not your fault. There's also a good chance that there's some pain in your world that you're, you're keeping in a bottle somewhere. Because when you shut down pain, you shut down a whole lot of other things as well. In other words, you can't selectively shut down your heart. So if you're, if you're finding trouble resonating with anything, and that happens for some of us sometimes, just like, I just got nothing. Like, I'm just a rock. I got nothing. And I'm not talking I'm a rock meaning solid. I mean, I'm a rock as in I don't feel anything. I don't move. I'm just <laughs> nothing. Can I suggest the place to start is, okay, where's the pain, the disappointment from the past that I'm suppressing, that I'm not facing, that I may have even forgotten about, but I've just gradually got flatter and flatter and flatter. That's the place to start. Does that make sense? Do you want to come up, Mike? Where I want us to land this is a, a song I've asked Mike and Lee to do over us, and it's one that many of you will be familiar with. Where I feel like he's leading us is into a place that's bigger than we've ever been before. You know, the word about enlarging that we talked about last week, we're, we're going into new territory that we've never been in before. And I'm more talking about us as individuals, but of course that overflows into the collective. And this song simply says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. In other words, there is no end to my trust in you. No end. And we, we, for just a couple of minutes, we just want you to soak in this and let this wash over you. And then I'll invite you to, to respond however you need to. I feel like there's a few of you that we, we need to continue the ministry that we started just before. Um, really, really love to do that. Um, and some of you may need an off-ramp and may, may need to go as well. And I want to give ability for you to do that if that's what you need to do. But let's just take a couple of minutes and let's just let, the, um, let this wash over you. Because this is where he's taking us, out of a place of disappointment, despair, out of just living a normal life into a place where co-laboring with him, connection with his heart, connection to his voice, propelling us into everything that he has created us to be. That, that is what this year is about. So just let this wash over you for a few minutes. If you want to move around the room, if you want to stand, if you want to lie on the floor for this, completely fine. Just get into a place where you can really receive. Let the Father's heart touch you and let the words that have come to mind, let them just soak into you because that's letting His power soak into you. Let them soak into you as this washes over you.
trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior.
Let's stand, shall we? I want us to I want us to join in this and I want this confession to come out of our mouths. Just quickly before we do, I just got a really clear word that I feel like is probably for about three of you, but it may be more. The word was really clear. You are not your struggle. You are not your struggle. Your struggle does not define who you are. Your struggle does not define who you are. I feel like that's really important for about three of you, but there, I, there may be more than that. I want us to... Let's join in this confession because what fuels this is the I am yours and you are mine. When we know that, when we have that connection of I am yours and you are mine, that's the place where He can lead us to our trust is with our borders because that thing of who we are is settled because His voice says, you're mine, you're mine. I've got you and I've got this. Let's do it.
let that be our cry and our testimony. When we get to New Year's Eve and look back on the year that we would go, oh, wow. Father, look what you have done. Look where we are now compared to where we were. doesn't mean it all has to be done by December 30. But oh boy, he's got some good stuff. It's not all going to be plain sailing and pretty. It's going to be good. Father, we just receive the upgrade. We receive the healing and the wholeness that you have. For some of us, stepping into fullness means stepping out of brokenness. I know we just, we speak grace for healing in this year like we have never experienced before. Where you will, you will not feel condemnation, you will not feel pressure to be anything you're not. You will only feel His embrace. And sometimes that embrace will be so warm and so soothing and sometimes it'll be deeply confronting because every defense mechanism within you is being triggered. But it's the embrace of a good and loving Father who paid the ultimate price possible to bring you into the fullness of who you are. And this year, Jesus, we want to say, we want to let you do that. We want to let you get your full reward for the price that you paid, knowing that we are going to be more alive than we've ever been before as that happens. We give you permission in Jesus' name. God, I just bless every heart. Bless every heart with peace. God, for some of us, we're feeling messed up and broken. And I just, I just speak peace over that journey. I speak peace over those situations and peace over those hearts. Some of us are, are just bursting with excitement and feel like we're about to spontaneously combust. And I just bless that too. Just say more, more passion, more fire, more life. And for every one of us, grace for the journey. Grace for the journey. Yeah, thank you for what you're doing, Father. We celebrate you. We celebrate your goodness. We say yes to everything that you have purposed for us. Yes to everything that you have promised us. Teach us to steward well in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're officially done, but if there's still stuff happening for you, you want to get prayer, come down the front so that we know that we need to pray for you. Um, and if you're going or you're mingling around, just be, just be sensitive to ministry happening down the front. Bless you and bless you a hundred times more.